Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a former right-handed relief pitcher during his Major League Baseball career. He pitched for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Mets, and the San Diego Padres. Over a seven-year Major League Baseball career, he would appear in 288 games, compiled a 19-11 record with eight saves, all of those saves coming as a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. It is a pleasure to welcome Duano Sanchez to 540 Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Duaner. How you doing? How you doing, man? How's everything? Everything's good. It's uh, always good to speak to you. Um, before we talk about your career, it's interesting because two weeks ago, AJ and I had Felipe Alou on our show talking about his great new book, which is, is it's a fabulous read. I recommend it highly to everyone. I was wondering what you knew about Felipe growing up in the Dominican Republic, and are the Alou brothers still revered by successive generations for the trailblazers they were, or have they been replaced by more contemporary players? Uh, have that taken away a little bit of the Alou's presence? I don't think anybody can replace those guys, especially with the, with the history that they did in the Dominican Republic. And everybody from back in the day know the Alou last name. And uh, I don't think they're going to be replaced uh, from anybody. And if anybody want to know about anything about baseball, they need to buy that book. I mean, uh, that guy is a great baseball guy, great manager. Actually, uh, uh, when I was 14 years old, his brother is the one that took me to the San Francisco Giants in Dominican Republic. So uh, we all have a little bit of history. We all have a little bit closer uh, when it comes down to talking about the Alouz, bro. I'm glad to hear that, because that's what I was wondering. I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up watching him play, and you know, it was a thrill for AJ and I to speak to him last week. I was just wondering... As generation and generation passes, just like here, you know, certain guys, younger generations don't know. But that, that's very comforting to hear. I'm glad you said that. Uh, 1997, you're signed as an amateur free agent by the Diamondbacks. Who's the scout that discovered you? Uh, Junior Novoa, actually, is the one uh, that went down to, uh, to my city, Escotui, in the Dominican Republic. It's a small city, but a lot of baseball players come out of there, like uh, Ronnie Berliard, uh, Ramon Ortiz. A uh, couple of the guys. Uh, he went down there when I, I was playing amateur when I was 14. Basically, my dad was playing center field. He saw me pitching during the game, and he took me from there and just took me to the capital. I mean, it was a, a, a great experience, especially for a boy that never come out of the little city, going to the capital. It was it was good. It was good. So you're playing in a game with your dad when you're discovered. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's basically how the Dominican Republic is. You don't play by age. If you can play amateur when you're 12 or you're 13, you're going to play up, which is one thing that I, that I always appreciate. I mean, yes, I do understand the age, uh, the age thing when we're talking about here in the United States because they always put 12 with 12, 14 with 14. When I, when I come down to the Dominican Republic, I was 14, my dad, I was playing center field. My ankle was playing first base, and most of my friends' dad was the one on the team. So we're talking about 40, 35 years wow. old guy. So did anybody else on that team end up playing professional ball? Uh, no. No, no, no. Now that I can recall. Um, actually, uh, hold on, yeah. Uh, Roberto Mansueta is a boy. Well, he just played professional. He went uh, to double A. He didn't play in the big league. 
but yeah, a couple of the guys come out of there. Wow. So as a 19-year-old, you get into three games as a member of the 99 High Desert Mavericks. Then the same year you excel for the Missoula Osprey, where in your second start, you actually take a no-hitter into the sixth inning into the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. Uh, Brian Sherlock singles to break up that no-hitter. You went on to pitch eight and two-thirds innings. I have to imagine that coming from where you were and, and what you just told us, you know, pitching against 43-year-old guys, I have to imagine as a 19-year-old, now playing professional ball, taking a no-hitter to the sixth in your second game there at that level, had to be a confidence build. Did you remember much about that game and, and how you felt afterwards? You just take me way back, which is, which is good to remember other stuff. Uh, actually, yes, I do remember uh, that game because uh, they, I went to, to the intrusional league and uh, Tucson, Arizona, because they did, I didn't even come for spring training, so they sent me to High Desert, which they told me, listen, uh, we need uh, three games out of you. Brad Penny went down. Uh, back in those days, Brad Penny was with the Diamondback, too, and, uh, and Abel in High Desert. And then you're going to go to Missoula, Montana. And, yes, I can remember that game into today because it, it was my second game. It was adjusting to the U.S. I mean, that was my first time that I stayed uh, for a full season down here, and uh, I can tell you enough. I mean, 1999, Missoula, Montana, we also won the championship in there. It's unbelievable. You continue up the Diamondbacks minor league system, and after losing the second game of a doubleheader as a member of the Diamondbacks minor league team, your cell phone and your hotel room phone ring at the same time. Can you tell our audience who was on the other end? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, they they call me uh, when uh, if I can recall in there, uh, the general manager, the general manager for the Diamondback. <laughs> so it was it was kind of funny because they always made those joke like, oh yeah, you're going to the big league, you're going to the big league, and I hang up twice. <laughs> like, listen, you're not you're not gonna give me like that, so I hang up. He called back again and say, hey, listen. You want to come to the big league or no? I'm like, oh shoot, this is for real. <laughs> so it was, I mean, my heart dropped. It was, it was an amazing experience. So eight hours after that phone call, you walk into a Diamondbacks clubhouse, a team that's in first place with a pitching staff that included Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, stars like yeah. Luis Gonzalez and Mark Grace. What do you remember most about that first time you walk into a major league locker room, and you walk over to your area in the locker room and see? an Arizona Diamondbacks jersey with your name on it. I didn't have time to literally to, to enjoy the clubhouse or everything. I got to the field uh, when the game was in the fourth inning, so I got to get dressed right away. I think I, I eat a, I drink a soda and, like, I don't know what else I eat in that little plane that I went down there. So I jumped right right to the bullpen right away. I mean, Cruz Schilling was pitching. This, this, all these guys came from winning the World Series the year before. I'm like, you know what, I, I just here to fill up us, but they're not going to put me on I me. Mean, I'm the rookie here, crucially speaking. The phone rings, so my heart just dropped. I mean, they don't even say my name. Then when they say my name, I'm like, oh, my God, this is for real. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to warm up. Uh, I, I, I'm still thinking it's crucially fishing. It's a lot of veteran guys that are going to put uh, in this game because they're not going to risk it with me. And, like, two minutes later, I was in the game. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was uh, against Detroit. I remember that. Uh, I faced a couple guys, and uh, it went good. It went good. And I, I was really, really nervous, and, and everything was just flying over. I mean, I didn't even have time to look around the, the clubhouse, the field, or anything. 
We're talking to Duana Sanchez, if you just tuned in. It's interesting because through the, the steps in the Diamondbacks minor league system, you were a starting pitcher for most of that. 2002, you moved from being a starting pitcher in the minors to a reliever. You appear in 53 games between AA and AAA, and you got 20 saves in, in the minors there. Who in the Diamondbacks system thought you would be better suited as a reliever? And was that something you embraced or at first, immediately, or was that something like in your mind, hey, I'm still a starting pitcher, but this is what they want me to do, I'll do it? It was difficult. It was difficult because my entire career I was a starting pitcher. So, uh, you know, as a starting pitcher, you have time to get ready. You get, I mean, you get plenty of time. You can go out an hour before the game and just do all your stuff. It was difficult, especially in double-A when I had to get ready in 10, 15 pitches, just jump into the game. I, I struggle. I struggle in, in the first, at least the first 10 games. Uh, my arm was kind of like not responding and stuff like that. Yeah, I was throwing hard, but I wasn't used to to pitch every day. And Danny Lewalling was the one uh, who, who asked me, listen, what do you think about becoming a reliever? I mean, we have a lot of starting pitchers right now. Like you can get a chance to get to the big league. I'm like, listen, uh, my main point and the main reason why I say is get to the big league. If you think this is the best for me, I just do it. So, you, like you mentioned, you made that major league debut. It was June 14, 2002. You pitched a scoreless inning against the Tigers. Um, you're the first graduate of the Diamondbacks Dominican Academy. Yet after three weeks and only six appearances with the Diamondbacks, you're traded to the Pirates. I have to imagine that really must have come as a shock because you, you pitched well. Um, you know, you made it all the way up their system, and they gave you three weeks, and then you're gone. What, what's the initial feeling that day? Well, I mean, it was, uh, I, I didn't, like, like you say, it shocked me. I didn't believe it. I mean, uh, first guy, like you say, coming out of the Dominican Republic to make it to the big league, signed for, from Junior Novoa and the other song, I'm like, here. Go uh, to Pittsburgh, and they trade me for Mike Feather. And I'm sorry, I was I was more like uh, uh, mad about like, wow, Mike Feather. That's <laughs> how much I, I'm like, geez, okay, all right. So I didn't understand anything. I was so pissed for about I, I want to say a couple months, uh, and I actually pitched against the Diamondback in Triple A when I was with the Nashville Sound, and I was just throwing every pitch the hardest I could, throwing 100, 102 miles an hour, and just looking to the dog. I'm like, hey, you let me go, so this is what you get. I mean, just those little things, you know. I didn't believe that they trained me, so um, I just got to keep going because I, I wasn't done yet. Yeah, it's interesting when you get the, the opportunity to you know, know what the player became and then look back. So right. 2003, you spent most of the season with AAA Nashville Sounds. 2002 and three, you make nine appearances with the Pirates. Uh, at that point, you're only two, one of only one of two pitchers in the Pirates bullpen that are under 25. The other being David Williams. You look at some. You look at some <laughs> of the guys that the Pirates continue to hold, and, and yet put you on waivers at age 23. So now at this point, you three weeks with the Diamondbacks, you know, traded. Now you're 23 years old, and the Pirates with, with a bullpen that included some. I think at that point, some 38 and 39 year old guys. Now you're yeah. released on waivers. What's going through your mind at that point in your career? Uh, I mean, I don't remember the general manager uh, name, and I'm glad I don't, <laughs> uh, because uh, later on when I was with the Mets, uh, 
I've, uh, I mean, I saw him somewhere in a bar uh, drinking. I was eating and stuff like that. And he told me, oh, yeah, you remember that I put you in waiver? I'm like, oh, yeah, you remember that you just did a big mistake in your life? So <laughs> uh, it was hard. I mean, especially being 23 years old and not actually – I was with Pittsburgh, and uh, every month I give one appearance to to pitch, like to give one out. It's impossible to get uh, to give. Uh, I mean, a major league experience and be able to to tell them that you belong there. So it was hard. It was hard, but I was picked up right away by the Dodgers. So I just let it go right away. I mean. Uh, I'm the type of guy like if this doesn't work, I'm just gonna move forward and I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it better and let the other people know and let myself, uh, as more important, know that I can make it and that I can, I belong here. So when the Dodgers pick you up, did they tell you anything? Say, hey, we so you think we got a bad deal with the Pirates? Here's what we see. Or they say, here's what we think. We think there's a problem, but we can fix it quickly. What did the Dodgers tell you after they picked you up? Actually, I, well, when I got to a sprint trainer, um, Tom Lasota is the one that, that was waiting for me. I said, listen, uh, I'm the one personally to pick you up. Uh, if you don't make it over here, because I'm sure, I'm sure you will, don't worry about it. I have a contract for you in Japan. I'm like, okay, I don't understand what's going on and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. So they just told me, listen, here, you're going to pitch almost every day. And this is a sparing bullpen that we have. Uh, we almost lead the lead last year on the bullpen and all of that, and inning pitch and all of that. I'm like, okay, you're not putting any pressure on me, I guess. So, and in spring training, it went really well. It went really well, and I made the team out of spring training. It was, uh, it was, it was a great experience with the Dodgers. You know, in 2005, August, you become the Dodgers' temporary closer, earning eight saves while Eric Gagne remained on the disabled list. When you're thrust in that role, do you need to take a, a different mindset showing up to the park every day as a team's closer as opposed to before when you were coming to the park as just part of the pen? Is, it, is there different game day prep at that point? I try not to. I mean, yeah, it can get to you in your mind. It can get to you in every, every, everywhere, I mean, in your head, but... I try not to. I'm 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 the type of guy that when I got to the field, a lot of people ask me why uh, do you want to pitch. I'm like because I like to pitch every day. Actually, when I pitch every day, uh, four or five days in a row, I take a day off. Uh, I, I I tend to do better. Uh, so in my mind, I just trying to put. Listen, you're not a closer. You're just coming for an inning, and just go ahead and get three hours and do your job. And no, it's not that easy because your mind is starting just. Uh, running, I'm like, yeah, this is the ninth inning. Yeah, don't blow the game. Yeah, you're only up by a run. So it was difficult. It was difficult, but I'm glad it went well. January 2006, the Dodgers trade you to the New York Mets. You started 2006 by throwing 18 scoreless innings in 15 games while setting up for the Mets' closer, Billy Wagner. Um, there's going to be a couple of follow-up questions after this, actually, now that yeah. <laughs> I just saw yeah. that name. So the Mets just re-signed Jairus Familia to be a setup man for the newly acquired closer, Edwin Diaz. Is there a chemistry that develops between a setup man and a closer? So, like, are there keys? Because you and Wagner had such success. Is there something that's needed to be you know, communicated between the setup man and the closer? Or do you guys just do your separate thing and, and you know, n- no interaction? I mean, uh, yeah, you talk, you talk a lot. I mean, me and Billy Wagner, we talk a lot. Me and Eric Gagne, uh, we talk a lot just uh, to know 
how we want to work. If you, feel, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, the closer, the closer, the closer. I'm not taking anything away from the closer, but if you watch every major league game, most of them, like I, I want to say 95%, the settlement and the A always speaks through the third, fourth, and fifth hitter. And the closer comes six, seven, and eight. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from the closer because that's one of the hardest jobs. It's the hardest three hours that you can get in a baseball game. But yeah, you have to you have to communicate with your closer. You have to be uh, uh, close to him. And uh, it's one thing that I, that I always uh, take from uh, from Billy and from Eric Gagne that they always communicate. They let you know what's going on. Listen, and with this hitter, you do this. With this hitter, you do this. And with Billy Warner, it was a little bit more difficult. Why? Because he was a left-handed pitcher. So our pitches are totally different. With Gagne, it was a little bit easier because we throw hard back in the day, and we have a good change yet. But uh, to me, and like talking about Familia, Jerry, I think the, the biggest thing with him is going to be trying to – to convert him himself from being a closer to a setup man. That's not easy. That can get you and that can eat, eat your mind. I don't know how that's going to work out. I hope uh, it work out well for the Max and Familia, but it's difficult. So you take a look at even in the, in the 12 years since, 12, 13 years since you had this time with Billy Wagner and the Mets, bullpens have changed. And you take a look at the theory on bullpens. In fact, you take a look even at you know, the Tampa Bay starting having the bullpen start, start the game. Right. So how do you look at that, and how do you think you would fit in with the way bullpens are used today? I think to me, bullpens are overused. Uh, I mean, in every way you, you, can, you can think about it, because they're trying to, like, literally babysit too much, the starting pitcher. Listen. Uh, back in the day, they used to throw 200, in, 200 pitches. Why can they throw 150 and be ready in five days? I mean, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not taking anything, nothing from a starting pitcher, but they need to stop babysitting so much and 100 pitches, they take him out of the game. Let him throw 120. Maybe he can give you another two innings and you can save your bullpen. Then you can find somebody for the seven on the A, maybe the sixth inning, he can give you five inning, the starting pitcher, and then Jerry Familia in that point can come in the seven and eight, and then you can have your closer coming for one inning and rotate once in a while. When you work in your closer so much, you can jump Familia over there and, and give you a day to rest to the closer. But I think, to me, they overusing the bullpen way, way too much. Yeah, we've now seen the advent of the, the loogie, the lefty specialist, the righty yeah. specialist. Like, now every single Major League Baseball game. Make, I'm sorry, but that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the lefty especially, the righty especially, <laughs> because I'm sorry. I, you, I mean, I don't pitch anymore, but I used to have a good change. So you're going to take me out because of lefty coming in? No. Right. Well, you, you, see you have to leave me there, or you want to look like the smarter uh, manager in the big league and bring another lefty and the lefty give up a homer when you know I have a good change and that I can get him out. So that doesn't make any sense to me. But it's also one of the reasons why the games are now going four hours because you bring in a lefty specialist, the other manager counters by putting up a pinch hitter, and it's a chess game, and every regular season game is now treated like game seven of the and World Series. You also see the fifth inning specialist, the sixth inning right. specialist, the seventh inning specialist. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, the roles they are they make it, They're making so many rules in the big leagues. Like, to me, the, the, the intentional work taken away from, uh, like, they don't have to, to throw it anymore, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, 
yeah, you don't win a lot of games, but yeah, a lot of time uh, the pitcher throw the ball to the backstop and you score a run. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing. Another thing, all oh, timing because the game is so long and the game is this and the, it's a lot of places you can short uh, with the timing uh, and not putting pressure on the pitcher. Hey, uh, listen, you have uh, uh, seven pitches. Get ready. But most of the time when I jump in uh, to the mound and I throw my eight pitches, I was ready to pitch. The umpire said, hey, hold on. I'm <laughs> like, why? Oh, yeah, because we're we on time. So now we're talking about TV. So that's another thing. Still in commercial break, right? You know, yeah. It's also interesting looking back at your career. Things are really rolling for you 2006. You have the most wins in a season up to that point in your career as a Met. You're 5-1. and one. Your lowest ERA to date in your career, 2.60. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, it's it really, in some respects, it, it's very sad. Because and, 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 and the team is also heading right. towards a pennant. Right. It, because things in life change in an instant. Um, you know, less than 24 hours prior to the trading deadline, you're injured in a taxi cab accident in, in Miami, Florida, on Interstate 95, the accident caused by a drunk driver. You suffered a separated shoulder. You've flown to New York to undergo season-ending surgery. You're 26 years old at the time. What's... What's the thing that's going through your mind when a you're flying, you know, to get that surgery, well, and when they back tell up, you what's going through your mind after the accident, and, and you realize your, sh- your shoulders separating, trying and and they put tell it back you, in place. Right, right. I mean, it was hard. It was hard, and uh, especially like being 26 years old and top uh, uh, in the prime. I I can say your career, and then half an hour before that, Jose Reyes knock at my door, say, hey. They just timing you next. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So we're gonna be together for a long time. So you know what? Let me let me go get something to eat real quick, and I just bring it to the hotel. I don't want to be uh, out or anything. So uh, I mean, it was hard. Uh, I mean, this guy hit us and all this stuff. Uh, a lot of people ask me, did you try to like talk to that person? I'm like, we don't have anything to talk about it. I mean. He was drunk, and I'm sorry about what I'm going to say. He was stupid about drinking and driving. A lot of people die that way, and you just end a a career from somebody. I mean, yeah, I'm still alive, but what about if that would have killed me? You know what I'm saying? And uh, at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I didn't even think about it. My mind blocked everything, and it was was so hard in in the next two years. Uh, going through everything in rehab and then in all the surgery, I'm like, a lot of times I just want to give up. I mean, I didn't have any rest for two years, and I jumped in to the 2008 season right away. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned a teammate of yours, uh, you know, that came to your room before you went out and got something to eat. And, you know, he's right now currently looking for a team, but he, he just played last year, and, and that's Jose Reyes. And mm-hmm. the day you were going for surgery, the Mets picked up a, a pitcher um, in a trade, and that was Oliver Perez. I know mm-hmm. Perez, okay. <laughs> uh, he's only two years younger than you, but, but he's still pitching. Um, do you ever wonder, had that injury not happened, you take away. You take a look at the way bullpens are used today. Do you think you would still be in the major leagues today had it not been for that accident? I, I most definitely yes, most definitely. Because if you look my entire career, I never, I never injury. I never have any surgery. I never have any time off because I was hurt. Uh, I always take care of my take care of myself in the off season. I work out like crazy. I, I most definitely. I'm 39 today. I think. 
I would I would have played. Uh, I think until I was maybe forty five, somewhere in there. I think I, I was still throwing into this day up nineties. Uh, I don't want to say 100 because it's not impossible, but coming out out of the bullpen, your arm wears out. It's different. But, yeah, I think I definitely think I'm still pitching into this day. So, you know, you, after that injury and then, you know, another most likely related injury to that shoulder happens, you go from the Mets to the Padres. You played in the Dominican Winter League, the Mexican League, the Canadian American Association, and finally right down here, the road, down the road here with the Ducks in the Atlantic League. There's a lot of different types of leagues to play in. What made you eventually say, okay, you know, I'm not making it back? What What was the turning point where you felt, I'm not making it back to the pros? You know what? Um, when you uh, when you used to, to success and pitch in one way, and yes, I mean, you had to make adjustment during the entire career, even though if you get hurt or not. But uh, when my arm is do- it wasn't recovering that quick, like, and the next day it was hurting and everything else, and I was toughening and toughening and toughening every day. I was throwing between uh, 92 to 94, which is not bad. I mean, uh, you can pitch in the big league with that if you locate. That's not a problem. But my main point was recovering, and uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to do it anymore. Plus, uh, uh, at that point, I would just start thinking, listen, my kids are growing up so fast. I only see them once in a while. I think I I I, I make a, a pretty good big league career. Yeah, I was caught up short now because of my fault. So just let me go home. I'm done, uh, and just take care of my family and take care of my kids and be with them. You stay close to the game as a broadcaster, but you know when I listen to you and I hear you talk about the game, it's obvious you you have so much pitching knowledge. Can you see yourself as a coach somewhere down the line? I definitely, I definitely. I mean, I've, I've been, I haven't been looking, looking forward because uh, right now I'm, uh, uh, I'm working uh, for a company development player between 12 years old and uh, and 17, getting ready for high school and college and everything else. And that's uh, my main thing right now is uh, giving the knowledge that I inquire in baseball to those kids. They would appreciate it more. Than uh, than uh, a kid that's in Double A and Triple A in the big league and A ball. I'm looking forward to open up um, a camp in Dominican Republic in my little city of Cotuí to to teach uh, young guys not only about the game. It's uh, it's a lot of things that people don't don't know about the game. It's not only knowing about baseball. I mean, you have to be you have to be responsible. You have to be uh, into the game. You have to respect the game more than anything else. You got to know if you're coming from a country which is Dominican Republic, Panama, Venezuela, Mexico, anywhere in the Latin America, come ready and just speak English because it's, it's hard. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be even worse when you get here because nobody's going to speak Spanish. So just teach those guys that you got to learn not only baseball. you got to learn a lot of things before you step in, into the United States. So do you still have, working with 12 to 17-year-olds, any of them playing with 30- and 40-year-olds <laughs> on a team right now? <laughs> I'm probably the oldest one right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I, hey, I'm playing softball and baseball once in a while, so watch it. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I mean everybody is looking for, for a return. Maybe <laughs> I come back. 
Sometimes. <laughs> they're, always, they're looking for relief pitchers all the time. I'll tell you that, when when you get that academy up and running, AJ and I will come down to the Dominican Republic to check it out for sure. Um, You're going to have fun. Yeah, You're going to have fun because it's not only about baseball. It's about uh, manners. It's about uh, education. It's about everything. Because to play baseball, you got to have all that behind you. If you don't have it, you're going to do a lot, a lot of mistakes, just like I did. would love to see it. Uh, lastly, which are some of the guys that you like to watch coming out of the bullpen and why in Major League Baseball today? Are you, are you up for tonight or? I like aggressive guys. Um, I like guys that are like, uh, you know what, I'm going to strike you out. You know, a, a fastball is coming in, and I'm still going to throw it. I'm not going to throw a breaking pitch. I like to to watch anybody and everybody. They come, they come, come at you. You know, just like oh, you throw 99 miles an hour and you're gonna start me up with a with a slider or a curve. Come on, you throw 98, 98. Just go for it. I like to watch anybody and everybody that does that. Just to to challenge uh, hitter. Okay, you think you can hit her? Here it is. See what you can do with it. All right. Uh, two more questions. We'll let you go. Harold Baines, Hall of Famer, yes or no? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, you can say uh, uh, yes and no, and maybe a question mark once in a while. Oh. I mean, I, I don't vote, so I'm, it doesn't matter what I say. <laughs> oh, man. Forget about baseball. You might have a career in politics, Antoine. Uh, <laughs> you see, a little bit of everything. you got to learn a little bit of everything. <laughs> Lastly, where's the best place for people to catch up with you on social media these days? I'm, I'm always like uh, joking around with my kids and stuff on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter. I don't use it that much, but most of all, I use Instagram because I think it's I think it's more fun and stuff like that. It's more family stuff. So um, uh, I don't do much of, of baseball stuff anymore. Yeah, once in a while I do it. I love the gang. I respect the gang, and, and hopefully down the line I can be. Somewhere, uh, maybe coaching. Uh, you know what? Just giving some knowledge. I think uh, not only the knowledge of baseball, the knowledge of life is uh, was uh, most of these baseball players need uh, this for me. Awesome, Duana. We appreciate your time tonight. Thanks so much. Nah, not a problem, man. Anytime. You got it. Be good, Duana Sanchez, former New York Met.